Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <coughs> Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for bread that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father, he gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, friends, I'm back in my kitchen. I've mixed up the bread a little bit earlier in the morning. It's been out in the sun. The dough's been rising and we're, we're ready to go. I'm wondering, though, uh, although I'm doing it old school, I'm going old fashioned this morning. I'm wondering if, if you had a bread maker. Remember those old uh, bread makers that were all the rage back in the day? Hands up if you had one. Yeah, quite a few of you I see did indeed have a, have a bread maker back in the day. But, but I tell you what, keep your hands up if you're still using it. Yeah, didn't think so. Not too many hands still left up. Bread makers, a bit of a thing of the past, aren't they? Carly and I had a bread maker. It was, in fact, a, a wedding present for us. It was a great wedding present because we loved it. It made beautiful bread. Um, 
I remember that uh, when we were newly married, we'd, we'd set it all before we went to bed at night. We'd put all the ingredients into the bread maker, the flour and the yeast and the water. And we'd set the timer so that when we were getting up, just as we were getting up in the morning, we'd wake up to the smell of freshly baked bread. Beautiful stuff it was. It was thick and crusty and wholesome and, and nice and fluffy in the middle. It was a meal in itself. I was working in a bank at Dubbo at the time and my sandwiches that I had for lunch were the biggest sandwiches west of the Great Dividing Range. They were famous in the break room at the Dubbo branch of the old state bank. Two thick slices of beautiful bread, some, some real butter of course, lashings of butter, a bit of chicken mayo and lettuce perhaps, beautiful stuff. It was a wonderful time in those heady days, waking up next to my new bride uh, to the smell of freshly baked bread, the good times. But you know what? The good times wore off, the novelty wore off of, of, of the bread maker, that is, not the bride, not the wife. It, um, yeah, just be careful, um, lads. Uh, the novelty wore off the bread maker. It was eventually um, put up in the cupboard and we forgot about it. And when we moved from Bible College down to our first church at Jeringong, I thought I'd use it again, so we took it with us. Now Carly was a bit skeptical. She didn't think we'd use it. It turns out Carly was, was right. <laughs> I know all the ladies at church are wagging their finger at me right now down through the screen. Serves you right, Peter. You should have listened to your wife. Yes, I know. I know. Carly was right in that the bread maker didn't go the distance. Its usefulness didn't last. So in our most recent move uh, to be with you here at church in the marketplace, the bread maker that we had for so many years sitting up in our cupboard that we enjoyed for so, for so long there in our early days of marriage was in fact one of the casualties of the great clean out, the great purge of junk that happens when you move house. It got chucked out with all the other junk that we didn't use. You see, the problem with the bread that the bread maker made was that although it was very good bread, it didn't last very long. The bread went stale very quickly. The bread went moldy very, very quickly. So the great bread maker craze of the late 90s was, was just that. It was a, a craze, a fad, a, a short-lived trend, a, a fleeting moment in the sun. It was some of the best earthly bread I've ever eaten, but as good as it was, it didn't go the distance. And going the distance is what Jesus is on about today in our reading when he talks about a bread that never spoils. He talks about a bread that endures. He talks about a bread that endures forever. He points us to what he calls the true bread of heaven, the good stuff. The real deal, the spiritual food, soul food, the bread of eternal life. This bread is Jesus himself. Just as bread was a staple food and is a staple food that sustains cultures all around the world to this day, so too Jesus is a staple food that sustains us in the life to come. He's a staple, not in the physical, but in the spiritual. So as I uh, make my bread, I'm going to consider this story, going to have a think about what, uh, what the original context was. We're going to be thinking about what we might be able to, uh, to learn from it today. 
Now the recipe that I've been using for this bread is a simple one. You can uh, text me or message me. I'm happy to, to pass on the recipe, but, but you can uh, find it pretty easily. It's a very simple recipe, this one. Just some flour, a bit of salt and, uh, and some yeast and some warm water. Uh, let it rise for an hour or two. You can put it in the fridge overnight apparently, but who's got time for that, hey? Now, the story this morning picks up where Jesus left off from last week. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He dismisses the crowd and tells the disciples to get into a boat and to cross over the Sea of Galilee before famously walking on water out on the Sea of Galilee to meet them in the midst of the storm and, and, and to take them safely to the other side. And our reading today tells of... Uh, the morning after these famous miracles. In today's story, the crowd again come looking for Jesus. Like children collecting Easter eggs on Easter morning, they've got some, but they want more. Uh, they, they had feasted the day before on an abundance that Jesus had provided for them, and they want more of the same. They want more bread, more free feeds, more miraculous works, so they follow him across the lake. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's not a large body of water by world standards, but it is big enough to be a significant barrier, both physically and, and socially, to, to get around in order to follow Jesus for a first century Palestinian. They were crossing over from the Gentile side to the Jewish side. So there's a social barrier there, as well as the, the physical barrier having to get around this lake, but, but follow they do. The prospect of free bread was enough to do that in a time when most people lived hand to mouth. So let's see if we can uh, get, this, uh, get this dough out of our, it's risen. Cameras might be able to get in nice and close here. Now, I must warn you church, again, like I said, when I was doing the barbecue, I'm a bit of a weekend warrior. Not much of an expert, but this is a beautiful consistency. Lovely jubbly is one of my favourite TV chefs, Jamie, o Jamie Oliver likes to say. Look at that beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. So when the crowd find him, Jesus actually chips them. He tells them that he isn't really concerned about their stomachs. He tells them um, that, that he's more concerned about their eternal well-being. He says to them, look, you're only seeking me out for another feed. He, say, he says to them, look, you should be chasing after something more important than just feed for your stomachs. He says, don't work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures, that endures for eternity. Jesus is trying to tell them that as important as bread is to feed their physical appetites, they actually have an even greater need. That is the need to satisfy their spiritual hunger. But they skeptically ask Jesus for more proof about his heavenly credentials. Can you believe it? They actually ask, well, give us a sign, give us a miracle that we might believe you. So they say, well, our ancestors famously ate manna out in the desert. What are you going to do for us to prove that you can do these things? Remember, just the day before, they'd eaten a miraculous meal. 5,000 men, women and children beside, from just five small loaves and two small fish. 
And yet here they are demanding that Jesus do it all again, prove himself again. I've heard it said that that miracles don't often bring people to faith. The cynical people simply ask, well, do it again, slower this time. So Jesus offers himself to the crowd. He says, I tell you the truth. My father who gives you the true bread of heaven, the bread of God, that which comes down out of heaven. He gives life to the world. Now, this phrase translated by the NIV as I tell you the truth is actually simply the word amen in the original Greek. It means trustworthy or sure or dependable or or, or certain. Jesus is saying that the truth that he's about to tell them is the absolute truth. It's certain, dependable, reliable. Well, the mob there respond, well, great. Okay, then give us this bread then. Come on, here we go. Give it to us. But Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. I am what you're really seeking. I'm what you really need. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry, will never be thirsty. Friend, what a promise that that is for us to claim still today. If we come to Jesus, we'll never truly hunger, never really thirst. Isn't that the sort of satisfaction and fulfillment that you want? I know I do. Jesus himself is the bread of life. He's the true bread of heaven. He is real food, genuine food that will sustain you in this life and in the next. Only he can satisfy long term. Only by trusting in him can you go the distance unlike this earthly bread. Friend, listen, material possessions, physical cravings, temporal pleasures, worldly pursuits and achievements, they, they can only ever bring you they, they can only ever bring you peace for a moment. They're not going to bring you lasting peace and contentment. They will give you some short-term gratification, but they are gone in a day. They don't last. Only Jesus can satisfy for eternity. Now, the recipe at this point says you kind of got to just put it into a bit of a round ball. The mixture is nice and moist, which is apparently is what you want. You want it nice and moist. Now, here we go. You sort of just have to turn it up. Make sure you've washed your hands, of course, kids. You just want to put it into a little bit of a ball before we pop it into our pot. Oh, that's looking good. I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. I think we're doing pretty well. You don't have to get it perfect. A few imperfections add character, as we, as we all know. A few imperfections in the bread will actually make it nice, nice and and crusty, so I'm told. Now, this is a sure promise from Jesus, one that will never be broken. Indeed, in the original Greek that Jesus uses here in describing himself as the bread of heaven, it's actually, he uses a double negative. Now, in English, of course, a double negative is a grammatical error, but in the original Greek, it's used to sort of add an an emphasis, to make an emphatic promise. Jesus is saying, if you come to me, You'll never go hungry. Never, ever, ever. I will satisfy you for all of eternity by way of the cross and the empty tomb. Praise God. Jesus has made for us 
himself to be the provision, to be our bread of life, our staple for all of eternity. I think what's really important for us to know in this context in which Jesus is speaking is how important bread was for those those listening to Jesus that day. It's hard for us here in the lucky country to really comprehend what it means to to really be hungry. Most of us have never really had to go hungry in Australia. I mean, not, not really, not really. But in this context here that Jesus is speaking in, having bread meant the difference between life and death. Having bread meant life and not having any bread. Well, life was tenuous at that point. We can't imagine being so reliant on one source of food that without it, we die. You see, most people in Jesus' day ate almost nothing else. They ate bread with a bit of yogurt or cheese, perhaps for breakfast, bread with some vegetables for lunch. And and at dinner, at night time, they had bread with maybe some fish. On very special occasions, they might have had some red meat, such as some lamb. But without bread... A first century Palestinian would have starved. So can you see how important bread was to these people? So I think the power of Jesus' words here, think of what he's saying to these people when he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Eat of this bread and you will live forever. To his first audience, to his original hearers that day, Jesus' words would have had a power that you and I can can never know, I think. Jesus is not talking about our modern day jaunty trips down to the bakery for some cinnamon scrolls and some sourdough. No, when he's talking about bread here, he's talking about life and death. So I think the question that this story puts to us today is, is Jesus the very foundation of your life? Is he your staple? Do you rely on him daily? Do you rely on him daily for your basic sustenance? Do you rely on him daily to give you life like the people in Jesus' day relied on bread to give them life? Is Jesus that irreplaceable centerpiece of your daily diet without whom you'd shrivel and die? Or is he maybe just one option out of many on a menu Just a side dish, perhaps. Is he maybe just a little bit of garnish that you add to your life, a little bit of colour and a bit of flavour, maybe? Like putting a a lettuce leaf on a bacon and egg roll to make yourself feel better about yourself, about all the other things that you're into, maybe. We Aussies all, for the most part, have all the food that, that we need. Yet our lives are curiously unfulfilled, aren't they? What is it that is going to make you happy in this life? I mean, really content, fulfilled. Friend, if it's anything other than Jesus, can I let you know that it's a hoax, an illusion, a myth, a chasing after the wind. None of those things are ever going to truly satisfy you. So friend, do not be working for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Can I challenge you to make sure you are feeding on Jesus as your daily sustenance, as your energy, as your strength. Now, let's see if we can uh, get this onto our baking paper before it goes into our pot. 
Again, I don't pretend to be an expert, but I have watched a few YouTube videos and something as simple as that is all it needs to be. Got our trusty pot here. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up, holus bolus, and bung it in. Again, doesn't have to be perfect. Just have to get it in there. So friend, make Jesus the cornerstone of your life, your staple. Can I challenge you not to look for security in this life, even in food, in your bank balance, in the security that the supermarket provides? or even friends or family, or even the church can become a distraction or, or an idol if, if you place it above Jesus himself. Feast on Jesus, the living bread, day in, day out, and go the distance. Live abundantly with eternal purpose and meaning and direction, both in this life and the next. Amen.